0: Folks, welcome back. This is Andy with the Poor Proles Almanac. You can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and wherever you get your podcasts. You can also support this project by becoming a monthly subscriber on our Patreon or throw us a couple bucks on Venmo or Ko-Fi if you think what we're doing is really important and you want to see it continue to grow. As I sit here in August of 2021, looking back at when we had originally recorded this episode, back in early 2020, it's interesting to see our thought process and what we were thinking about and how we were considering what we were doing within the context of things like COVID, climate change, and late-stage capitalism. So now looking back, I want to revisit some of these thoughts. So this episode is a little different than the ones we've done in the past so far, and probably will continue to be different than what we do in the future. But for me, having been a farmer, a homesteader, a forager, an outdoorsman, someone into sustainability, and so on for most of my life, there are a few things I do think that we need to talk about before we can get more into the focused areas of sustainability outside of the framework we've set up so far. When you look on the internet, you know, blogs, podcasts, and even in print books, you'll read a lot of stuff about how to live sustainably from everything from gardening to solar panels and so on, and many subject areas that we'll cover or have covered. About 70% of this information is good and useful, and the diversity of ways that you can live sustainably or build networks of community are fantastic. Many of them are more effective given the right conditions, and one of the things that should continuously become evident for you is that there's really no one-size-fits-all. As we continue to dig deeper into all of these areas and work through the content, I do want to cover a few ground rules for you to use and guide you through going from where you may be today to where you want to be in the future. First and foremost, you really have to start where you're comfortable. This may mean just reading or starting one plant and a planter. There's no time really for purity tests or gatekeeping when we're talking about this stuff, which is really often too common. And what we have to understand is not everyone is going to care or want to even have the dialogue about what theory supports which praxis in the worlds that we inherit. As a friend of mine once told me, gatekeeping is for the well-fed. This doesn't mean that we don't have a responsibility to communicate basic ideas of communalism or mutual aid, that we have to consider conditions we live in to understand what foundational knowledge we need to share in some capacity. If we look at places like Rojava, We can see from what journalists have pointed out is that most folks there are not there because of their libertarian municipalist leanings, but because the material conditions demanded that Rojava was their only option for a safe standard of living. Most folks don't give a shit about the theory which provided the foundation for their community, just that the community works and is equitable. We should be thinking about the future from this lens. Using words like socialism, communism, anarchism, libertarianism, these don't really translate into positive things for many people, given the last century of propaganda. Of course, you might not be listening to this because of an expectation of a future in which we are rebuilding a society from the ashes of the old. You might just be thinking about prepping because of worsening weather patterns and general homesteading as a means to self-sufficiency and, frankly, harm reduction to the planet. Maybe all you really care about is to build a better local network and to become more resilient. That's fine too. And we will be digging into how to build those local networks in the future. Again, it's important to understand the context of those relationships and how we can align theory with praxis. Whether it's giving eggs to your neighbors or helping your neighbors develop more sustainable land management practices. Developing local networks is a core foundation of all resilient communities, and that doesn't mean you need to turn your neighbor into a communist or anything. And if you've been digging around in the prepper area of the internet, it's pretty heavily saturated with right-wing radicals, and it's hard to parse out the real science from the chemtrail-type stuff that plugs up a lot of bandwidth on the prepper subjects. And that's where we imagine that we come in. This is also a big reason why the first few episodes might sound more like an undergraduate course instead of a podcast on, say, guerrilla self-defense tactics. Our hope is to create a foundation of knowledge that you'll be able to use to distinguish fact from bullshit, even as you watch and listen to other folks in these subject matter areas. And you should listen to other folks Historical materialism requires an openness and fluidity that demands that we keep ourselves open to folks without the same viewpoints as us, but may have knowledge we don't, and it's important not to impoverish ourselves from that knowledge because of political allegiances. However, without a strong framework of knowledge that we can use as a filler to find the nuggets of fact in what may be mostly pseudoscience, We aren't doing ourselves any favors in absorbing a bunch of nonsense when we can't parse out fact from fiction. Now, I want to talk a little bit further about the future of developing self-organized communities. This is by far, at least to me, the hardest areas for folks, myself included. I'll also add that I've worked for a number of years managing nonprofits for marginalized urban youth, and even with that framework of support in a subject area where people are sympathetic, It's still fucking hard. Anyone can plant a few trees and a couple tomato plants and own a gun, at least here in the United States. It's another thing completely to start building real networks within your community. And I think COVID has kind of pointed that out to a lot of people, especially on the left. Virtue signaling isn't worth shit if you can't get off your ass and help folks materially in an expedient way. This doesn't mean everyone needs to grow food. That might not be an option for you, or you might not even really like it. That's fine. The beauty of things like complex systems that we are modeling upon is that dynamic and resilient systems require specialists, and that's where you can find your niche within that community. There are needs for just about every skill, and it's about how you bring that to community that you're looking to develop. That said, it's important to understand the foundational knowledge for all folks because the reason folks prep across a spectrum of skills is that we don't know what conditions will lead to some kind of collapse, whether short-term, like COVID, or more permanent. We may have a mass exodus from climate change or a single catastrophic event, and all you may have to take with you is a bug-out bag, and decades of careful land management goes out the window. What we do know is that during that time and after, we need to be able to eat, drink clean water, and build communities to support those most in danger, and in doing so, help ourselves and the ones we love. That said, it's important to understand the conditions that we exist under, and where those conditions may turn. Are we preparing and organizing to continue to exist, and where is your place in that? That should be the bigger question on this subject. And that's where the name came from, the Poor Proles Almanac. If you're familiar with Poor Richard's Almanac, the general idea was to provide some basic household knowledge paired with interesting tidbits, storytelling, and life lessons with a healthy dose of cynicism. I think that pretty well captures us. Some thoughts on building organic systems. Lots of folks learn a bit about resiliency and sustainability and decide they're going to start gardening, foraging creating food forests and they dive head in first into the subject and really become overwhelmed. I get it, there's an infinite amount of information and it's nearly impossible to absorb it all. Start small. When I started getting into, let's call it nature, I would go for a hike with my tree identification field guide and when I saw a cool tree, I'd look it up. I'd walk around and spot all of them in the woods. I didn't try to identify every tree in the woods. I would have become overwhelmed and learned nothing. All of it would have blended together and I wouldn't be any better for it. This is probably the best path for a lot of people, one small step at a time. For example, we had talked about complex systems theory and soil biology and how those things work and relate. Healthier soils can help our planet become more sustainable by absorbing more of the energy from the sun and help create a more resilient planet. We will be talking more about water management and we will dive into the different types of local biomes in the United States. By understanding biomes and the soil chemistry as well as complex systems you will be able to narrow the amount of subject knowledge area you try to learn about foraging because you'll be able to identify the type of biome communities around you and what wild plants are likely to be there instead of focusing on all the ones that can technically survive in your climate zone which is likely exponentially larger, but probably won't because of the soil biology, complex communities, and so on that don't exist for them to survive in any meaningful amount. This is just one example of what this framework is providing you with, so hopefully that helps explain why all of this knowledge is so important. Lastly, I want to touch briefly on the subject of food production and foraging, specifically in terms of perennials and wild plants. If you've branched out into permaculture at all, you're probably aware of a whole lot of various berries and fruiting trees, as well as obscure perennial roots and edible leaf plants that you've probably never heard of before you thought about gardening at this type of scale, or at least with this concept in mind. Permaculture is a great field of study because it is very accessible for most folks, and it makes a lot of sense on the surface. And there's a large group of people who find a lot of purpose around the idea of permaculture. And with that, a lot of folks get very excited and decide that they're going to create a permaculture food forest. Just go on YouTube and check out what folks have done. You'll notice that, like, 90% of the food forests are only 5 to 7 years old at the oldest. There's a few reasons for this. Probably, most notably, is the ease of access to post content, that wasn't really available until the last five or so years, but also folks only stay in their current residence for about five to seven years, as well as that most trees, especially the obscure stuff that you'll only be able to get one or two-year-old trees of, don't produce until that age. So you've spent five to seven years growing a tree you may have never tried the fruit of, and you're relying on what the internet has told you. Further, you may find out a lot of fruits and berries taste good, but they need to be prepared in a complicated way or they may just really have a very short shelf life or they might have a ton of seeds, which may be why they're not popular. Some don't really taste good at all, but are technically edible and they may stay good for very long periods of time or they may produce a large amount of crops someplace where most plants can't survive. This is why certain groups like permaculturalists are drawn to them. I'm not saying don't experiment or anything like that. But much like dieting, if you try to change how you eat every day radically, it's going to be really hard, no fun, overwhelming, and generally not sustainable. So ease into that process. Try to join a community where you can get access to those things, those plants, those fruits, build those relationships. Chances are, if there's only a few folks with pawpaw trees in your area, they're going to be excited that someone else knows what they are and they'll want to share their knowledge. You can always join our discord to get in touch with some folks that may be in your area. One of my favorite things around prepping comes from a sense of connection with nature and the seasons. While having access to fresh fruit and vegetables year round is obviously a good thing, recognizing seasonality and our role within nature is both humbling and rejuvenating. Whether it's knowing winter is almost over because it's birch-tapping season, or knowing with the blooms of goldenrod, the last honey flow of the year is coming, finding those unique experiences because of our relationship with nature is rewarding in itself. Prepping should be something you do to put your nerves at ease, to know you have a basic foundational knowledge, skills, and resources for a vast array of situations. It should also be something you enjoy to an extent. For myself, I enjoy teaching and researching as well as growing and shooting stuff. So naturally, I'm inclined to be a good fit for this. The main takeaway here is that it's important to take small steps outside of your comfort zone and to be realistic with yourself about what you aim to accomplish. And of course, enjoy the process. It's fun to learn new things and have new skills. And in a time like this when everyone is nervous about what's next, you'll be ready. And if you do that, we'll keep making content. So I hope this mini-episode is useful to you in its own way, and a lot of these areas we will be exploring in full depth as the podcast progresses. Thanks for listening. This is Andy, and this is the Poor polls Almanac.